Before I get started today, I want to make it perfectly clear. There's a big part of me that wants to make it perfectly clear. I will not be applying for Dave's job. <laughs> Our scripture today comes from Mark 14, 66 to 68. When Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When he saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, you also were with Jesus, the man of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. Would you join me in a short prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may my words and my thoughts be glory to you. I pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. I'd like to welcome all of you and thank you in advance for your patience and your understanding. When I asked Dave if I could share my faith journey, I told him I had no idea why I wanted to do it. I have often said that I sometimes need to climb a mountain, come back down, think about it for a while before I realize why I climbed the mountain in the first place. So far, this has not been an easy mountain for me to climb. I've written my journey in the style of the story of Peter denying Christ three times. I asked the question of myself three times, were you there? Were you with him? When I began writing, I was amazed at how clear many of my memories are and how many of them have to do with my faith. My first theological question was, where does God live? My mother told me that God lived on the top of the big puffy clouds in the sky. My second question came a couple of days later. If God lives on the top of the clouds, where's God on a clear day? <laughs> My father always called the Bible the good book. I once asked him, when you pray, why do you ask God for something instead of telling God to give you what you want? His response, because the good book says never put your God to the test. He said that if you ever had food poisoning from pork, you would know why the good book says that man should not eat an animal with a cloven hoof. My father cited some things that I've never found. He said that the good book says that if you cast your bread upon the water, it will come back tenfold. I cannot tell of my early faith journey without sharing a story of my father sleeping in church. All of us kids had to dress up and re were required to sit in the same pew as my parents during the church service. During the sermons, we would watch and count as my father's head would tilt and then pop back up. <laughs> if his head stayed down, he would start to snore and someone would have to wake him. One of my father's favorite stories, and one that I'd heard him tell many times, was a story of how one day, while exiting the church, the priest took him aside and told him that you should not sleep in church. To which my father proudly responded, it takes a man with a clear conscience to sleep in church. <laughs> many times when I tell people that I'm the seventh of 12 kids, the first question is, were you Mormon or Catholic? 
My family was Catholic. We attended church on a regular basis. I received first communion and attempted confession once. For a 10-year-old kid, I would say that my faith journey was pretty normal. But then life can cut. It can cut deep, deep enough that a person may question God, God's role in life, or if there is even a God at all. The cut may be a medical diagnosis, a divorce, or a death in a family. The cut in my life came one day as a bunch of us kids were playing at a lake. The cut came in the voice of a young woman. A young woman who, like myself, just wanted to enjoy a clear summer day on the lake. Her words cut for she yelled, help, help. Your little girl is drowning. For many years after this day, if someone would have asked me, were you there? Were you with him? I would have said not only no, but hell no. For if this was a God who created the heavens and the earth, an all-knowing God, an all-powerful God, a God who knew my words before I spoke them, a God who would take my six-year-old sister and hold her head under the water until she breathed her last, this was a God I wanted nothing to do with. Unfortunately for my faith's journey, it was shortly after that day that my father had a dispute with the local priest. What the dispute was about, he never said. But the next time I would see my father in a church service would be 25 years later at his own funeral. At about this time, I built a fire in my mind to separate me from God. If God was omnipotent, controlled everything, then he must be responsible for all the wrongs in the world. So in my head, I would scribe a wrong on a board and throw this board on the fire. For years, it was a fire that was easy to feed. Why did Kurt, a good friend, drop dead at 19, shooting baskets? There's a board. Why was Lisa paralyzed neck down in an accident? Another board. Why did my niece die during a birth? Why did my friend live, get cancer, and suffer before she died? The board seemed plentiful. Even though my relationship with God was not good, my life was good. There were few people who had enjoyed God's creation more than I. I loved working outdoors. I hunted, fished, backpacked, and camped. I met a lot of good people while I was at it. I was never a Saul. I never put someone down for their beliefs in God. I just didn't care. For years after Connie and I were married, we attended church together. We both read scripture, sang hymns, and listened to the sermons. But when it came time for communion, I could not bring myself to take part, and Connie received communion by herself. There were two things that I was grateful for in this situation. One, Connie was strong enough in her faith to go forth by herself, and two, she gave me time and space to deal with my faith. College was an interesting time in my faith journey. Like many times in my life, I was blessed, and I knew I was blessed at the time. If someone would have asked me then, were you there? Were you with him? I would have said no. I'm just waiting for a plumber 
We have all had our plumbers in our lives, those people and things that keep us from seeking the carpenter. I was in my late 20s, attending one of the best universities in the country. I had an intelligent, beautiful wife and three years to explore things like I had never done before. Art, history, economics, to mention only a few. My faith was pulled back and forth. On the one hand, I met and got to know some of the smartest people I've ever met. People who professed the faith in God and Jesus. On the other hand, the more I studied, the more atrocities I learned about that were done in God's name or done by people claiming that it was God's will. The Christian crusades, the Spanish slaughtering of the Inca people and culture, the persecution of science and scientists. But like I said, I was blessed and I felt it. Shortly after college, three things happened that softened my thoughts toward God. The first was a visit to my adopted grandmother, Rose Tiedema. I think we all have had people in our lives who have had a profound impact on our lives. If I'm a Christian today, it is in large part because of Rose. She was the most loving, caring human being I've ever known. I met her when I was in the fifth grade and I would stop and visit with her every time I went to see my parents. When my life looked like this tabletop, dark and confusing, she was always a light. One day after visiting for about an hour and a half, she asked me to sit next to her and put my hands in her hands. She then said she wanted to thank me. I asked her what for. She said, for showing me that God answers my prayers. I re reacted in some way that made her say, no, Warren, I'm serious. When I pray for different people, I pray for different things. When I pray for you, she said, I pray that God gives you wisdom. You are wise for a young man. For you realize that the miracle of God is not all the things that God gives us. The miracle is that in our human condition, God loves us at all. I've often wondered what she meant. God loves us. God answers my prayers. God made me wise. One of the last things Rose said to me was, Warren, if you want to know how to live your life, read the Bible. The second thing was my father died. The last time I talked with him, he said that he had had a good life and he was ready to see what was on the other side of the curtain. He was rehabbing at a nursing home when he died. I read the nurse's report from that night. She said that she had checked on my father at 1030. He was sitting in a chair. He had just opened a box of chocolates and he had a glass of water in his hand. They talked. 2.30 a.m., noticing that his light was still on, she entered his room. He was sitting there in his chair. He had eaten two chocolates and still had the glass of water in his hand. He had passed away. I've often wondered, what did he know? What had he seen or who had come to get him? that he could face his own demise so calmly, 
leave this world without even spilling a cup of water. In Les Miserables, there's a line that Jean Valjean sings as he's carrying Marius, a young man, from the barricade to safety. He sings, this is the kind of son I may have had if God would have granted me a son. Exactly a month to the day after my father died, God did grant me a son. They say there are no atheists in a foxhole. I would say there are very few in a delivery room. To see a child enter this world, take their first breath, and see their small bodies, hands and feet, is a miracle like none other in life. As an infant, when I'd hand my son over to others, he would fuss. When in my arms, he would calm down. Without words, he said, there were two people in this world that I trusted, and you are one of them. This was a feeling I always cherished. Being a father has been a joy. Watching my son grow and develop, developing into a young man who now has a child of his own, with whom I know he cherishes and has the same feelings for. My relationship with my son and his mother are two relationships that made it hard for me to believe that there was not a caring God. These three events caused me to realize that the people that I loved and cared for the most were people who quietly lived their lives in faith, people who professed a belief in God. My thinking and thoughts toward God and Jesus took a paradigm shift after hearing a sermon that Chris Hope gave. Chris has been very active in prison ministries, focusing on building long-term relationships and trust with prisoners, and then working with them as they re-enter society. While serving on the executive board of the Presbytery, I had the opportunity to visit the prison in Shelton with Chris. I had admired his work and looked forward to his sermon. In his sermon, Chris talked of how Jesus' ministries influenced his own work. Chris said, Jesus never said that it would be easy. What Jesus said is, I'll go first. Chris went on to tell how Christ suffered and died for what he believed. The sentence, Jesus never said that it would be easy. What he said was, I'll go first changed my perspective as to who God is. From this perspective, I found a God I could believe in. God was no longer all powerful, who by definition was responsible for everything, good and bad. A God who could give life and kill at his whim. The thought of a God in a human form who would go first, who would find life messy and would suffer for a cause was a God that I could relate to, a God that I wanted to know. It was about this time that I realized that I had stopped feeding the fire that I had in my head between me and God. As I looked at the embers, 
I thought about one board that I'd thrown on a fire. The board that said, why did my friend live? Get cancer, suffer, and die. Thinking from a different perspective, I came up with many reasons. I'll share two today. My friend, Pam Johnson lived because God wanted my son. And all the kids that knew her, what unconditional love feels like. Pam Johnson lived because God wanted all who knew her, that a person can live, get cancer, suffer and die, and through it all, never lose sight of, of God's love for us. I think when somebody close to us dies and untimely or suffers an extended illness before death, we have a tendency to focus on the suffering and the death while losing sight of how God moved through them while they were alive. I've had a blessed life. I sometimes wonder if somebody came up to me and asked, Warren, were you there? Were you with him? I think in all honesty, I would say, I don't know. I don't know if I was there with him. All I can say with certainty is that he has always been there with me. Would you join me in a closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today in human condition. Many of us cut from life's experiences. We give you thanks for the people in our lives who help guide us to a broad and open space, a space from which we can again feel your love, where we can experience your grace, where we can experience your amazing grace. This is, we pray in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen.
field and war.